In this very special episode of Foot Candle Films, Chris and I report from the River Run International Film Festival in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. We talk about some great films that we saw throughout the weekend, and also we lead up to our discussion of the latest Nicolas Cage film directed by David Gordon Green, Joe. All this on the special Foot Candle Films episode coming up right now. What you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this very special episode of Foot Candle Films here from the River Run International Film Festival in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I'm Alan, and this is Chris. Hello, guys and yeah. ladies. And we are here from a... Uh, our beautiful hotel rooms here in downtown Winston-Salem, where we have just been spending the day and night at the River Run International Film Festival here. Chris, this is our second year as uh, representatives of the Foot Candle Society here coming to River Run. Absolutely. And uh, we did a little recap episode last year as well, after we saw a couple days worth of films. Uh, this is you know first weekend of the film festival. I think last year for River Run, we made it out to the closing weekend. I think that's right. You're right. So, you know, unfortunately with work and family and everything else, we can't quite take off the whole necessary two weeks to go see the entire film festival, but we at least try to squeeze in one weekend here to do a little recap. Now, for those of you who uh, are used to listening to the show and we talk about some films that are in movie theaters and we give some reviews and other things, many of the films we're going to talk about are probably ones you're not going to find coming to a movie theater anytime soon. These are going to be a lot more uh, independent, a little more regional-based, or maybe making a lot more film festival circuit films. But hopefully there'll be opportunities to either find them online at some point or through some other uh, other means. So we're going to talk about some of the films that we have seen uh, in the uh, the festival so far during our short stay here. Chris, does that sound like a plan uh, to you there? So Sounds excellent. Chris, you and I both separated and kind of went out to go see some different films just to kind of broaden our exposure on many of these so why don't we just kind of alternate let's talk about the films we saw and some things that maybe our audience would find interesting about the films that we did see you want to start us off with the first one you saw sure uh so i went my opening night presentation was uh called a movie called the chef and it was a comedy that comes from france and it stars uh jean renault and he's the main chef of the title and it was the a chef good, of the chef. The chef of okay, the chef that would be him. And it was it was a good film. It was it was a very light comedy. It's a kind of a, they would refer to it as a farce. Um, and it was it was fun, you know, kind of predictable, but yet still had a lot of funny moments. And the thing it centers around food, and they did spend a lot of time showing them like prepping meals, and it did make me hungry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well that's but, that's a sign of a good food movie if you come out feeling a little hungry from it. So. Yeah, so it, it's it's a good comedy. It'll probably, I assume, maybe play in some places in the United States, but definitely when it comes out on DVD, if you like, you know, a lighthearted comedy and you know something you don't typically see or comedies focusing on food, check it out. It's definitely worthwhile. Okay, well, the first film I got to see for the festival here was a documentary, and uh, the the title tells you a little bit about where it's going. Uh, the title is "To Be Takai," and okay. that's you know, to be. 
George Takai, basically. It's a documentary of George Takai, that is Star Trek, Sulu, among many, many other television and movie roles over the years. Uh, George Takai, uh, people, some people may be familiar with a little bit of his backstory. I honestly wasn't as much. Having to uh, go through an uh, internment camp after World War II uh, with his family, a Japanese family, obviously. Uh, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the, the grief and the, the drama from that still sticking with him today. It's very obvious throughout the documentary and drives a lot of what he does. But also this, this documentary was very light in many places, too. It did explore the relationship he has with his now husband, some of the uh, issues they took on with gay rights and equal rights uh, many, many times over the years, the representation of Japanese uh, people in the media and in pop culture. And then, of course, we got to hear a lot about stories of uh, his time on Star Trek and other other places. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this is a fun documentary. I think whether you are a fan of his work or his uh, the, the, the the causes he fights for in his career, regardless of your stance on any of that or his, his talent as an actor, this is a fun documentary to see somebody who, a very, very interesting life that they've led uh, for many years in, in and out of Hollywood. Uh, I will say one really funny thing that you'll probably appreciate, Chris, is okay. they did have some of his... Uh, Co co stars uh, on Star Trek Wait, interviewed for the documentary. The Shatner. The Shatner was interviewed. Awesome. But it was actually a, more of a running joke that uh, Shatner tried to very much downplay that he even really knew George Takai very well, <laughs> and where it's very clear to everybody else in the cast that that's just William Shatner for you. Wow. Uh, supposedly there was a lot of kerfuffle that uh, George Takai invited the whole cast to his his wedding, and Shatner did not show up, wow. uh, claiming he never was invited, and it became a big huh. little spat between the two. Anyway, it, there's a lot of humor in the documentary. Uh, George and his husband are honestly a, a really, really fun couple to watch. And uh, the documentary is just a good light uh, documentary with enough heavy tones in there talking about his, his the internment camp uh, experience that really, really uh, clouds a lot of his life experience now. So... Hmm. To be Takai, the directors there are producers uh, Jennifer Crute and Bill Weber. Uh, great job done by by those guys on that film. Well, it sounds like I'm interested to see it because it sounds, I mean, you know, it's a biography. The guy's still living so he can be interviewed. And it sounds like it's a fun watch because mm-hmm. he's kind of light, you know, he can be funny. It's like hard, but yet it deals with the issues of, you know, obviously gay rights and then the mm-hmm. internment camp. But yet it doesn't sound like, from what you said, that it's heavy-handed. It doesn't like no. beat you over the head trying to teach you a lesson. Or so, It sounds like it's you learn something, yet you don't get beaten over the head with it, which is nice. Absolutely. It's more of a matter of you get to see what's driven him all these years because gotcha. he's a very prolific person. I mean, you know, between everything he does, uh, I didn't realize he was involved in as many commercials and TV shows and hmm. guest appearances places and convention speeches and... Everything else. I mean, he's he's extremely busy for being, I think, in his 70s. Wow. So uh, it was just, it was a good story, good documentary there. All right, what's the next thing you saw, Chris? So the next film I saw was from uh, director Sam Fleischner, and I think it was his second film. And it's called Stand Clear of the Closing Doors. Mm-hmm. And what it's about is there's an autistic teenager named Ricky living in uh, New York. And he... Um, decides, or he kind of has, not a attack or something, but he he is off his medication and he ends up getting lost and spends, you know, days kind of wandering around the subway system and his family, of course, panics and tries to find him. And it was kind of an investigation of what it's like for 
that to be happening to a family. And what was specifically interesting for me as a film goer is a lot of times when you see this subject matter, it's usually just, I guess, by nature. So a lot of times it's like, you know, your middle America white family. And what Mm -hmm. was interesting about this was they were a Hispanic family living in New York City. They had immigration maybe issues they weren't directly handled with. But you kind of saw how, you know, autism can affect everyone, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it was so it was interesting from that perspective for me because it was kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, that this can happen to anyone. It's happened to this family and the struggles that they were dealing with. And it was shot in a very realistic manner. Mm-hmm. As far as I knew, they were first-time actors in there. So it just had a very real look to it. Something that... I wanted a little more substance to the movie as far as dialogue or story, but it was very kind of open-ended, and they had a lot of sound collages. Like, um, Mm. obviously, he spends a lot of time on the subway. Sure. Um, So there's a lot of, like, you know, the screeching of the metal and then scenes of passing trains. It was very experimental, I guess, in many ways, um, which I could see could take a lot of viewers out of it. And it's it's running times about, you know, over an hour and a half. So... It was challenging in that respect, but uh, it was interesting. And I'd be willing to give the director another shot to see like what he's going to do next. Hmm. Um, because he's got a, he definitely seems to have a style that he's going for. So it kind of gave you, it gave you a sense that it was a very competent director that's probably got some other great, interesting ideas that could be coming. This one may have been just a little bit of a challenge to yeah. really get into. Yeah, I don't, I felt sometimes that it, it would have been better served as maybe a short film as opposed mm-hmm. to making it into a feature length. Um, but that stand clear of the closing doors. So. Okay, great. Well, uh, let me tell you one that I saw uh, as well. And this was a documentary. Uh, I got to see two documentaries in a row. So it's kind of a good way to get things started out for me here. Yeah. Um, the film Gringo Trails. Okay. And this was a documentary by uh, Peggy Vale. And really interesting subject matter. What she explored is this idea that we've seen a culture grow over the last 20 years of backpackers and people, younger kids traveling and people who want to go and explore different places in the world and just see things that are maybe a little off the beaten path. The challenge is, is that when everybody finds out about a place that's a little off the beaten path, it's no longer really, it's not off the beaten. It's path not a beaten anymore. path. It's a paved road now all of a sudden going <laughs> oh, to it. So the oh, idea is nice. that it, it's this whole phenomenon about when people start to find out about a very interesting place to go visit in a community that has that touristy spot is not ready for all the tourism attraction that they're going to have. They're not able to handle it. How things can really damage the the country, the area that that, that tourist attraction's in, uh, some of the um, uh, nature and habitat around it as well. The, the film really starts out with an example of a, a young man who basically was trekking through the Amazon jungle and got lost back in the early 80s. Hmm. It was actually you know out there for a month before rescued he wrote a book about his experience well his book triggered a lot of people saying "Ooh, i want to go to the amazon and explore and have an adventure kind of like this guy did okay hopefully not to get lost for a month and have to be (laughs) rescued but right but then the problem is is that the amazon jungle this area of the jungle where this man wrote the book became so popular where all these backpackers all these kids traveling all ended up there and it's one of those things where the community wasn't really ready to handle that hmm. another example is brought up about a a very very a gorgeous island beach i think out in southeast asia that a young man finds and and just really appreciates it makes a mistake of telling a couple people back in the mainland they tell <laughs> all their friends and all of a sudden within 10 years 
that beach is now basically like Myrtle Beach. Oh, wow. Uh, New Year's Eve, Mardi Gras. I mean, it's like a huge party destination. So, again, it's just the whole documentary is really trying to help us understand that these communities, these areas, these these towns or, or places where these tourist areas are, they don't already, they're not always prepared as what to do to basically control tourism and make sure that the tourists don't destroy what it is that's so great about the area we're in. So it's a very specific topic and subject matter, but the documentary does a really great job of helping you understand this is an issue. But also it's very hopeful in that the last example we hear is a community back in the Amazon that has really taken the challenge of saying, you know what, we're going to control how tourists come here, how we help them experience what it is we have to share with them, mm-hmm. but making sure that it doesn't get out of control and we don't lose control of what we have. Hmm. So it's very I thought it was a really fascinating subject matter and I really appreciated the documentary for what it was. So that's Gringo Trails, beautiful footage all over the place, Bhutan, Thailand, Bolivia, other places that they traveled to get the footage from some of these locations. So a great travel documentary as well as a good subject matter uh, about the the challenges these communities face. Well, not to be left out, since you've seen some documentaries, I got to see a documentary Uh, as well. Let's keep the documentary train rolling (laughs) then, sure. Uh, This one's called A Fragile Trust, Plagiarism, Power, and Jason Blair at the New York Times. Hmm. Um, Are you familiar with Jason Blair at all? I'm not. Uh, I know know Shattered Glass, and I know the... the, um, was it, what was the guy's name? His name was Glass, but what was uh, his first name? I cannot remember. But yes, it's you're right. I, yeah, but the idea of that a, a journalist with plagiarism is faced with that uh, accusations. So yes. is this a similar situation here? Yes, absolutely. And I was not familiar. You know, I'd seen Shattered Glass, which was about the the guy who had problems with the New Republic was the magazine that he was right, writing for. Right, right, right. So yeah, Jason Blair uh, was a writer at the New York Times. And he started as an intern there, and basically what he ended up doing was plagiarizing, and not just once, but he ended up being what they called a serial plagiarist. Mm. And when the scandal broke, it you know rocked the world of jur- journalism and caused the New York Times embarrassment, but also sure. a lot of problems, because then they ended up having to go back and uncover, well, okay, the story that got him in trouble was the story a story about um, an Iraq war soldier who had gotten so he plagiarized that story and Mm. they found out about it and then they began to unravel well how much of your stuff was plagiarized sure right (laughs) and it was a shocking amount what's interesting about the film in addition to revealing that and educating me as a viewer was also they were able to get him to be on screen and he was interviewed at length and it comes into question exactly his mental state when this was going on he admits that he was an alcoholic and also was using cocaine wow um so there's that and then he has some mental problems Hmm. and they talk about that in the film and at the end of the film it's very interesting how they kind of say this is where he is now and this is the where journalism today is and it, it also addresses race because he is an african-american and uh, how that was handled in the times as far as did he get to the position that he was and was he fact-checked as much as maybe he should have been because and when he started messing up was it caught as early mm. as maybe it should have been because sure. did race play an issue and it's mm. very and 
you end up saying you don't know. All you know is that what happened happened, and it was it was very delicately handled. Um, and I I thought that it was very interesting how they hinted at things. And he now is a life coach, believe it or not, mm. and that's what he does for a living. And um, it's just I don't know. It's a very fascinating story, and I can't believe I didn't really know much about it. The other thing that they brought up was that a challenge was made to the New York Times around this time in all papers. They were seeing the writing on the wall about the internet and how the internet was taking over and people would stop subscribing to the paper and it was a big push at the New York Times at that time to get content out Mm -hmm. and to get content up on the web. So was that driving the need to not maybe fact check? You know, so it kind Mm -hmm. of, Mm -hmm. it just brought up a lot of different issues about news and about how we take news and about what the end goal is. I mean, they are a business, so they're trying to provide a product, but it just was a fascinating, fascinating documentary. And I think PBS has gotten the rights to it, and I think they will be airing it. So this is one that you can probably see if you kind of look out for it. Wow. Okay, that does sound really interesting. So some of the great things about some of the documentaries you can see at a film festival like this, learning some of these subjects and topics that you just didn't know anything about. I mean, that's that's part of the joy of kind of coming in and hearing these real-life stories. The next film I'm going to talk about, uh, the last film before we get to kind of our main uh, film discussion here in a moment for me, was a film called Walesa, Man of Hope. And it is, uh, it's a dramatic interpretation, but it's based off a true story of, uh, we have, in Poland, we have uh, Lech Walesa, who, see if I can best describe this uh, as simply as I can. All I know is, He's the guy who, to me, looked like Robin Williams for the longest time. Yes, um, he does. That's and like, a very whenever good I point. saw him growing up <laughs> in the news, I was like, hey, that's Robin Williams with a mustache. But for some reason, I always, that's how I know the Walesa name is because yeah. I always thought, okay, well, that has nothing to do with the film. But I just thought, that no, out. no, but it is, <laughs> uh, it's, it's uncanny the gentleman they had playing was Walesa because you actually see some real footage at the very end of the real Walesa. And it's like, for a moment, I couldn't tell the difference. Wow. And it's like until... But did he also look like Robin Williams? They both really did look okay. like Robin Williams now that you mentioned it. Okay. But on all seriousness, this sure. is a, a, a he is a Nobel Prize winner uh, in Poland. He was an electrician working in the shipyard. Got okay. really wrapped up in what was happening when Poland was taken over uh, by the Soviet Union. Okay. And communism was kind of pushed through. He helped rise up a lot of the... Uh, strikes that went on starting out the shipyard area and then it kind of spread to other industries across the country and he became the face and the head of that strike movement uh, they call it the solidarity movement and that was what he really became famous for and became a very powerful leader in that area he did win the nobel prize for his work in trying to get equality for all the the workers and to get the rights to, uh, to try to help improve the overall government representation they had this uh, film was done by a, a Polish director, Andrzej Zwajda, which I had no, no knowledge of anything he's done. Supposedly, though, he is one of Poland's best known and uh, most revered filmmakers. So uh, it's been around actually uh, almost almost 90 years. He's a very old film director. Hmm. He was born in 1926. Wow. And he's still making really, really good films. This was a really well-made film. Uh, very, very nicely shot. I was really impressed with the way that they made some of the footage look like archival footage, even Mm. though it wasn't. And then that way, when they actually did use archival footage, it was perfectly blended. I mean, I could not have honestly told you sometimes what stuff was archival and what stuff was recreated. They really did match it up well. And again, having the actor look so incredibly like 
and seem to have the same mannerisms as the real the real Willessa. I thought it, it's not it's a story I was not at all familiar with. It was obviously very very detailed in the politics and the political structure and everything, which is a little hard to follow if you're not familiar with it going in. And it being subtitled made that a little challenging as well. But really well made film, very very strong story. Uh, something again, I'm very interested in learning a little bit more about now that I've seen this film. So that's Walesa, Man of Hope. I really don't know where there's going to be an opportunity to see it. Hopefully online at some point soon because it is a very very well made film. Cool. What's the uh, What's the last one you've got before we talk about our big one? Actually, that's oh, that's right, that's right. You got it. We're, we're, we need to talk about our our last big film together. So so Chris and I have kind of spread out. You know three or four films that we saw each on our own, but then we ended up tonight with kind of the big feature presentation for opening weekend here. The one I know you and I were both interested in looking forward to seeing, and that is the latest film from David Gordon Green, Joe, starring Nicolas Cage and Ty Sheridan. Hey, mister. Yeah? Me and my dad just got into town. I was wondering if you'd give us a job. I pay a day's pay for a day's work. And if we work till dinner and get rain out, I pay for the whole day. Does that sound fair enough? Yes, sir. I'm Joe. And I watch that boy. I see someone who's nothing like me. Hey, you looking at? Why do you stick around like this? What's most important right now is me taking care of Dorothy and Mama. Kind of got a family problem right now. It's kind of interesting in that David Gordon Green, graduate of North Carolina School of the Arts here in Winston-Salem, mm-hmm. uh, and his film Prince Avalanche, we actually saw last year. And reviewed last year. And reviewed sure. here mm-hmm. at the River Run. So we kind of figure we make it two for two and go see his newest film, Joe, which was also showing at the uh, film festival here. So, Chris, you want to tell us, sum up a little bit about what Joe is about? Sure. So the title character, Joe, is played by Nicolas Cage. And he is basically, he's an ex-convict, and he drinks like a fish, he gambles, and he's had lots of run-ins with the police. Lots of run-ins with some ladies. Lots of run-ins with ladies (laughs) as well. And he sees a young teen, which this is played by Ty Sheridan, and kind of takes him on and lets him have a job. And he tries to become kind of like a father figure. And you see the struggles with this that, you know, Joe himself kind of has demons, has anger issues. (laughs) Yeah, you could say that. And uh, the boy, whose name is Gary in the film, he has problems with his family. His father specifically um, is very abusive. And so the film shows kind of the story of how these two know each other and they learn a little bit about each other's lives. And uh, it's, it's a tough tough film to watch for sure yeah. it's very very dark yeah i will say if, if uh you know where, where we had prince avalanche last year which was light uh, it wasn't a flat-out comedy because it did have enough dr- drama in it last year but it was more comedic and more light than it was heavy sure this is the opposite this was a very dark film a very heavy film had moments of fun and and, and, and lightness to it but very very few and very far between most of it was a very dark undertone throughout the film. Overall, I'll say I liked the film okay. Mm-hmm. Didn't really like it. Uh, it was a tough one to, to kind of get my head around. Uh, I will say, though, the performances in it were outstanding. I think the character development was outstanding. I, I will say the character of Joe that Nicolas Cage plays, not only did Nicolas Cage do an outstanding job, 
in this performance. But the character of Joe, I think, is a very interesting character. Uh, fascinating the way they wrote him and what they shared with him and what they didn't share with us about him. Right. Made for an interesting character. I actually, where I like the movie Mud from last year, mm-hmm. which had a little similarities to it. Sure. Um, where I like the movie Mud much better as a film, I actually like the character of Joe probably a little even better than Matthew McConaughey's character of Mud from the, the movie Mud. So it's a little parallels there with that. But I will say the character development for me was the biggest thing. I really liked what they did with all the characters in the film. Even the really random ones we see for just a scene or two are all very, very well thought out. Well, and somebody, I think you'll agree, we need to mention in the discussion, we've mentioned Nicolas Cage, we've mentioned Ty Sheridan, but a third player in this film who I think is a pretty major role is the father of Gary and... uh, his name is Gary Poulter, and he was a first-time, I think a first-time actor, pretty much. That's right. And uh, he, he played the dad, and he was amazing. I mean, he was close to 60 years old or so, I believe. Supposedly, and the reason we know a little bit more information on that, we did get to attend a special Q&A with director David Gordon Green and the star Ty, Ty Sheridan and the uh, screenwriter. And they shared us a little bit of information about Gary, Gary Poulter, and uh, it sounds like he was... A circus performer or involved point. in the circus for a while. They met him at a bus stop. Yes. And just because of the look and character that he seemed to have, they uh, talked to him about being in the movie. That's fascinating because he was absolutely really, really great in this role. Scary, terrifying, uh, just very real. Uh, it was a great performance. Yeah, and I, I agree. And it's something that seeing him, the presence he had reminded me of... Um, Bruce Dern, you know, who's kind of an unknown yeah. Bruce Dern, but how you can imagine, those of you familiar with Bruce Dern, you, you see him, you think of him in a certain type of role, and that's what this guy was bringing to the screen, that type of presence, but yet he was a complete unknown. Yeah. So that, that speaks to, I well, thought, what a good job. And unfortunately, passed away uh, shortly right. after production was done. So really, he's only got this one film credit to his name, which is a shame. Yeah, uh, seeing how how strong he was in this role, but uh, so really sad situation there. Uh, but I will say with Joe, I thought uh, you know, had a lot technically going for it. Uh, some great performances, some great character development. Just it was a tough movie to watch. Definitely a one timer for me. And uh, yeah, I, the storyline still it was a little harder for me to get a grab a hold of it, but I, I do admire the film for its performances. What did you feel about the film? I, I liked the film and I had trouble sitting through it because of the subject matter. It's just very, you know, there's a lot of abuse and a lot of violence and it was tough to watch because it was all very gritty and very realistic, but I did appreciate kind of at the end of the film, the notes that it ends on and I don't want to mm-hmm. spoil anything. But um, it's just, I thought what was interesting is while he, Joe was a, is a flawed hero, he's not perfect. You know, he's obviously the title character. He takes this boy under his wing, but he is still making mistakes in the movie. Mm-hmm. He makes mistakes that make you see him not as an ideal person or an ideal hero, um, but yet you still like him and you still want to pull for him. So that having depicting a flawed hero in this way, I thought it made me, it made me like the, like the film. And it is a tough film, I guess, to say you like, because it is kind of a grueling watch, but yeah. And basically the whole movie screenplays by Gary Hawkins, who was actually at the Q and a afterwards as well, uh, based on a novel by the late Larry Brown. 
So a lot of a lot of great influences in here on the story. And then, of course, you've got David Gordon Green, who has ranged everything from very, very small independent films early in his career, uh, slowly ramped up to big budget movies. Pineapple Express was probably his biggest budget movie and probably mm-hmm. the one that made the most money for right. him in general. Uh, then went on to make some very, very kind of lowbrow comedies with The Sitter and Your Highness. Mm-hmm. Now with Prince Avalanche, and definitely with Joe, he has kind of come back around to those smaller films that are a little deeper, a little more dramatic uh, to them. So interesting to see the the cycle. And uh, sticking around for the Q&A afterwards with uh, David Gordon Reed, Ty Sheridan, a young performer. I think he's maybe 16 years old now. Either 16 or 17. Yeah, yeah. still a young performer, but... Uh, Ty Sheridan, who was in The Tree of Life, he was in Mud that we've mentioned, and uh, of course now with Joe. All three performances, outstanding. I mean, this is a very, very talented young actor, so it was nice to be able to hear him talk after the film. And then with the screenwriter as well, we got to hear a lot more about the production of the film, some of the notes behind it. Uh, it was a, very, it was a good, good night, good discussion, absolutely, with that. Agreed. Yeah. I w- I'm curious, too, uh, Ty Sheridan and talking about his upcoming you know, He's played in the three movies that he's had out that you just mentioned. It's been very serious, and yeah. he seemed to be a very you know down to earth, you know, young kind of guy. And he would laugh about things. And before a question could, or before I could ask the question or something, it was kind of like I just want him to be able to have a role where he could have fun because yeah. it seemed like everything had been kind of some things kind of dark. Uh, and sure enough, he mentioned that one of the films that he's working on is a comedy slash like thriller. But basically, it's scouts versus zombies. Yeah, <laughs> so, like like boy scouts, boy versus, scouts zombies. versus zombies. So that's I was awesome. like, well, that's good for him that he's gonna you know get to have a little fun. We also said he's so, gonna be a, he has a cameo in a sitcom or did a right. small bit part in a cam in a sitcom. So I agree with you. It'd be nice to see him have some fun because unfortunately we're used to seeing him in a very dramatic southern <laughs> uh, southern role there. So yeah, the movie Joe we do think it's worth checking out. Sounds like both of us are in favor of it. Just uh, Chris is maybe a little more positive about it than I was, but be warned, it is a very dark movie. It's a very intense movie, um, but w- good performances. Very very fascinating characters. I will say. I, w- I was surprised. I'll, a note that I'll kind of end on was when we discussed Prince Avalanche last year. We commented on how it was very much a David Gordon Green film and the depictions of nature. And some of the some of the cinematography and the style that he kind of goes after, or the cinematographer he uses to get his style. Interestingly enough, in this film, I feel that it's there, but I felt like it was actually kind of muted, and that's what made the film darker. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, the kind of lyricism with nature kind of lightens the film, or it makes it more beautiful. And this was so heavy and so dark that I feel like it could have used some more of his poetic lyricism with cinematography and stuff but instead i guess they focus more on story hard story which is what the movie was about but how do you feel as far as does this represent a david gordon green well i think it did i'll tell you actually i'll kind of go down one little uh, one little path here okay this may not mean anything to anybody else listening because if they haven't seen this film or prince avalanche but it does make me bring up a big question of themes between his movies okay to me trees and the destruction of trees versus the planting of trees. Uh, Prince Avalanche, basically the entire landscape is 
ravaged land by fire mm-hmm. where all the trees are gone in a lot of the spots and the Aaron, places. Now, why didn't you ask this to David Gordon? I know. <laughs> I was really thinking about it. I had it at the tip of my tongue. Sure. So you've got a film where they are basically having to rebuild a community that has been ravaged by forest fires. So basically destruction of trees. Mm-hmm. Here in the movie, Joe, the profession of Mr. Joe and soon-to-be uh, Gary, his young young helper here, is basically poisoning trees that are being commissioned to tear down. Uh, supposedly they're having to be a little bit under the under the table where they're being told to go in and poison trees so then the trees will start to die and then they can go ahead and get clearance to remove them, whoever their, uh, their employer was. So they're basically going and poisoning the trees as they go along. So again, that right. whole destruction of trees and what does that mean? What's the bigger picture there? And then uh, there is a scene towards the end that has to do with kind of replanting new trees for a new kind of a new phase in someone's life Mm -hmm. a lot of themes there with nature and i think especially with trees in the last couple films i'm very curious about so i think there was enough of a david gordon green feel to this film um, especially some of the scenes in the bars and other places where it's just lingering getting to see the characters in the room and kind of seeing a very diverse odd eclectic mix of characters yeah i think it fit in just fine even though this one definitely got very much on the dark side. It was, uh, I think, it was still very much a David Gordon Green film. And he mentioned too in the Q and A how uh, somebody asked him basically how he goes about using a lot of non actors, and he just he uh, David said in the Q and A that he basically is always casting. Mm-hmm. He's always looking for people that he thinks would fit because that's just kind of how his mind works. And the workers that he gets to be on that crew were amazing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. no, I, he's, he's got, it's an incredible perform, range of performances to see in this film. Sure. So I do think it's worth seeing, although I just, again, we caution, very dark, yeah. very heavy, violent, disturbing at times, so just a lot to watch out for with that. So Chris, that has been our River Run experience for the last 36 hours here, so we covered quite a number of films in the time we had allotted to come out here for the weekend. Uh, the film festival is still going on for a couple weeks, so we're by the time, if you're listening to this episode pretty quickly after we release it, there still may be some days left of the, ter- of the of the festival. You can go check out some of the films out there. Right. We're on the second day of the festival, and I think it runs for 10 days. So, yeah, yeah hopefully, yeah, there'll be some time to still check out some films. Absolutely. And we just want to say a special thanks to River Run for putting together this film festival and doing what they do. Uh, such an amazing, amazing, diverse range of films to choose from. Everything from documentaries to foreign films to more domestic and regional films, shorts and animated, everything in between. So it's just, it's a great festival. We've enjoyed it two years in a row here. We look forward to making that a tradition going forward as well. Uh, As we kind of just recap for you some films that maybe you can kind of keep on your radar and hope you have a chance to check out in in the near future there. Any other closing thoughts there, Chris? Anything Mm, no, not that I can think of. I would just encourage the ones we've mentioned, try to try to seek them out. So yeah. they're definitely worthwhile. All right. Well, we will return back to our normal format here in the next episode with our uh, standard reviews and uh, just news and recommendations. But right now we just wanted to spotlight River Run. And thanks for uh, putting together a great film festival. And thanks to all the filmmakers and producers that did submit their films. We really enjoyed checking them out here on this first weekend. If you have any more information that you need to get about the film festival, I'm sure you can look it up online, search for River Run, uh, and uh, you'll find plenty about it. 
Now, you've been listening to Foot Candle Films here on The Mesh, our special episode. If you want to learn more about what we do at The Mesh, you can go to themesh.tv and check out all the other shows we broadcast on our podcast network. If you want to learn a little bit more about what we do as a film society with uh, Foot Candle, you can check us out at footcandle.org and find out what we're up to in our film society. So with that, we'll tune out for now, but uh, stay tuned uh, as we bring in our normal, regularly scheduled uh, Foot Candle show here in the coming weeks. So thanks a lot for listening. See you in the ticket room. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.